to talk about the anointing tonight um, and to give you a little backstory because I know we have some people who have not been here with us all summer, but it's, we won't hold it against you. Um, earlier this summer, I was coming back from some nation and I was on a plane and the Lord began to speak to me in the middle of a plane and he began to tell me, Dell, I am pressing in for revival for this nation, um, but there are some things that the church has got to grip in this hour so that revival can be manifested. Uh, I love Luingo's definition of revival. He says revival is God's arrival. I think that speaks to all contexts. That speaks to the church, the unchurch, the de-church, uh, that revival is God's arrival. Uh, with that being said, I begin to ask the Lord, Lord, what is it that we are in need of as the church? What's our problem? What's our issue so that we can adjust and fix it so that we can move in revival? The first thing, and this was the first uh, message in June, the Lord began to speak to me. He said, I cannot move in revival in the church of America until you cease to be a carnal church. I said, what do you mean, Lord? Because I automatically started thinking about sex. And, you know, if you travel much, you, you know there's a lot of sex in the preaching industry and in the gospel and music industry. Everybody's sexing everybody. It's crazy. Some of your favorite artists and musicians and worship leaders are perverts. <laughs> I almost said a name, but I'm, I'm not feeling that petty. All right. I'm going to stay anointed. And um, so I started saying to the Lord, are you talking about sex? Are you talking, what are you talking about, Lord? And he said, I'm not even talking about that. The Lord began to talk to me about a carnal-minded believer. The Bible says that the carnal mind is enmity. It's an enemy to the Lord. Um, and so I said, Lord, what is that? He said, I have required that my church walks in the spirit, but instead of walking in the spirit, they have visited the spirit, had spiritual experiences while walking in the carnal nature. So you don't have a biblical worldview. You have a carnal worldview. And so your political disposition is not based on the Bible. It's based on how you were raised. Your disposition about life and, and career and all this stuff. And it's funny to me that when we call people in ministry, everybody has to go on a 15-year fast and pray and all that stuff. But nobody has to pray about what school they're going to. Nobody has to fast about the promotion they got at the job or any of that. And, and why is that? It's, and it's nothing wrong with those things. But once we become carnally invested and we see our world through our natural eyes and through our carnal eyes, we, we are not allowed, it is illegal for us to be carnally minded and think that we can still do spiritual things. Let me, let me break it down like this. Some of us think that we are humans with spiritual beings inside of us. We're actually spiritual beings encased in a human body. With that said, there comes a transition in our repentance where we begin to realize that we have to walk by the Spirit. That everything we do, everything that we say, everything we see has to be by the Spirit. And we talked about that in June and developing that with prayer and with fasting and all these different things. Then the Lord spoke to me about the second month. I said, Lord, okay, what do we need to deal with then? And the Lord began to deal with me. He said, when I spoke to my people and talked about the church, I did not call my house a house of worship. I didn't call it a house of great preaching. I didn't call it a house of great small groups. I didn't call it a house of discipleship. I said, what do you mean, Lord? I called my house to be a house of prayer. Yet the average church in America spends two minutes corporately praying a week. This is statistically proven by George Barna. The average church in America spends only two minutes corporately praying together as a church in America. 
And so you wonder why we don't have revival. Because we want something from a God that we don't even talk to. And so if, 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 we, had, if we had a conference and I invited T.D. Jakes or your favorite preacher, your favorite worship, Jesus called all that stuff, this place wouldn't be big enough. We'd have to get a stadium, especially if it was free. Like people would lose their mind. Like they would just be lines out the door. But don't let me call a prayer meeting. You know, Pastor John talked about the prayer meeting uh, next week. And I know it's going to be about four or five people. Because people don't like to pray. And, it, and it's strange to me how we want the power of God without what it takes to get the power of God. And so you call a prayer meeting, nobody shows up. You know, we, most of us, we just pray a minute a day to keep the devil away. And we think that that's all it. And our mind is screwed up. Our relationships are screwed up. Everything's messed up. And, and we come and you come into our office as pastors and we have to counsel you and pretend like we actually care about your stupid situation. We told you not to date them. You dated them anyway. And now we got to pretend like we actually care. Um, and, and I've come to the fact that I just don't do as much counseling as I used to do because I realize in the church we wouldn't need as much counseling if you had a prayer life. <laughs> okay, y'all didn't like that. I got Bible for you. He said, I am the great counselor. What kind of counseling do you need if the Lord would just... And, and some of you, let me just help you. And I, I've got nothing against therapists. I think every Christian needs at least two. <laughs> Uh, I've got nothing against therapists and all that kind of stuff. But let me save you a few couple thousand, uh, a few thousand dollars. You wouldn't need as much therapy and medication if you just sought the Lord. And it's funny to me how we try to do everything around praying without praying. So you've got preachers who spend hours studying the Bible but not talking to the God of the Bible. You, you've got ministers and evangelists and singers who can sing to the rafters, but they have no anointing because they spend no time with God. And I, I was just talking to a young lady who's been struggling in her emotions and all this other stuff, and she's, well, she has high highs and low lows. And then one day I talked to her recently, and I just noticed everything had changed. I said, what's up? Are you high? I literally asked her. I said, are you on drugs right now? Because you're way too nice. Everything seems kind of normal. She goes, no, I actually did what you told me to do. I, I started worrying. Because I tell people to do a lot of stuff, and I have to repent a lot. Um, I said, what did I tell you to do? You said, um, pray every day, read your Bible every day, and fast at least once a week, and in three months, you'll never be the same. I said, and you did it? Because most of us don't even want advice. We want pity. Don't worry, it's going to get rougher before it gets better. But hang in with me and we're going to make it to the altar call. Just stick with me. If you smile and say amen, nobody will know I'm talking to you. Just come on, stick with me. Like most of us, we, we want somebody to come and hug us and tell us it's going to be okay. It's all right. And, and you got to be careful because we have these punked out spiritual leaders who have more fear of the board than they do of the Lord. And so they want to keep you coming next Sunday. And so instead of telling you what you need to hear, they're going to tell you what you want to hear. Okay, I found my preaching side. All right. Um, and and, and we, we get excited if the preacher just hoops us up, makes us happy, excites us about the future. And some of you don't know that, yes, you're about to be financially blessed, but you're going to be blessed going straight to hell. Because you... Oh, <clears throat> That wasn't my preaching side. Let me try this one again. Be, be, because, because what is it to gain the world and lose your soul? How dare we prophesy to you about a new house and a new car, but the one you're living in is full of demons. 
And we're trying to figure out how do we get set free by doing everything except for praying. You know, lay hands on me. Maybe if I give more. You cannot give your way out of having a prayer life. You will not make it if you don't pray. So that was last month. I'm just confused. Just how do you tell me you love God and you don't talk to him? Okay, I'm going to tell you what it is. Some of you say you love God, but you don't really like him. The Bible says uh, he'll give you the desires of your heart. And we like quoting that part of the scripture. But we missed the whole front part. <laughs> There's actually more. <laughs> That's just part B. He said, for those who delight themselves in me, I'll give you the desires of your heart. Some of you don't even delight in the Lord. To have a prayer time is toil. And a burden for you. So that second half, you got to stop claiming that part. That's not for you. That's not. mm -mm. Let me preach it this way. Maybe I'll get a better response. Okay. What does that mean to delight yourself in the Lord? It means to actually like being in his presence. And, And don't be fooled because you enjoy the presence of God that's here to make you think you love the presence of God. Uh, Because what you're experiencing is not the genuine intimacy of the Lord. You're experiencing the residual emotional effect of my intimacy with the Lord. I got Bible. I know you were going to ask me, so I got you. Um, We love to talk about David as a worshiper. And one of my favorite texts to preach, I don't get to preach it too often. But one of my favorite texts to preach is about when Saul was full of demons. And when he was full of demons, he would ask for David, his favorite worship leader, to come. David would sing some worship songs. And all of the demons that Saul had would be calmed and soothed when David worshipped. Saul never worshipped. David worshipped and Saul's demons were soothed. Okay, why? Because David liked the God he was worshipping. Saul liked worship. If this isn't a picture of our generation, I mean, we don't even like preaching anymore. If the preaching goes over 20 minutes, oh, it can be said in 15 minutes. The devil is a liar. Paul preached all night long. He preached so long that somebody fell asleep and died in the meeting. Paul stopped preaching, went downstairs, raised him back up to life, went upstairs and kept preaching until the very next day. And we don't love to worship. We love to sing. And you cannot tell me that you love to worship if you don't love to pray. Because all worship is, is your prayer to a melody. I hope this is being recorded. If nobody else gets the series, I'm going to buy the series. And I'm telling you that your power lies in your ability to watch this, not see prayer as a burden. I'm sick of prayer and intercession meetings being relegated to eight old women who have retired and have nothing better to do in the church. And so we put them in the back of the service and held them to pray because we want them to feel special and important. And we can't understand why the whoremonger walks in our services and walks out the same way. Why our worship leaders are sleeping around and our preachers have no power. You... uh, just talking about last month's sermon and we don't even delight in the Lord it's still a burden the key to getting the desires of your heart is to like to be with God but you will never watch this you'll never get to desire until you go through a season called discipline 
Come on, come with me. We're going somewhere. You'll never get to desire until you walk through discipline. You've got to walk through some seasons where you read the word and don't understand a lick of what it says, but says, I'm just going to have faith that this thing's going to work out in the end. You've got to read through Leviticus, not understand none of the law. Should I eat shrimp, not eat shrimp? Do I get a tattoo, not get a tattoo? Land over. Some of you can't get a breakthrough because you've been in Psalms and Proverbs for the last 15 years. You've got no theology in your bones. You've got no development and you relocate it to some preacher. And so your theology is not based on the Bible. It's based on your favorite pastor. So if your favorite, okay, I I don't want to go down that road because I might not come back because I am sick of people telling me their opinion void of the word of God. But, but you cannot get to loving being with God until you get through the toil of discipline. You got to get through the seasons of praying and you don't feel the shakes. Where you put the, I was a 15 year old kid putting the timer on one hour. And I didn't say, I prayed for the same country five times. You know, okay, you don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. You sit there and go, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray for Africa. I pray for Asia, Lord. I just pray for America. I pray that you touch my cousin, Lord. I pray for Pookie and them. I pray for Auntie and them. God bless my grandmother. She's so evil, Lord. You took the good one and left the evil one, Lord. So I'm just praying for the evil one, Lord. Take her or make her better in Jesus' name. And I'm praying. And you finish praying. You look at your watch. And you, two minutes? So you start praying in tongues like you have never prayed before. You know, you start, you start, you start praying five minutes. But for those, and not all of y'all can clap right here and not all y'all will get excited right here. Because some of y'all are still on the five minute prayer zone and you think you're all right because your pastor told you a devotional day will keep the devil away. But this is for my folks who have a real prayer life where you made it through the season of struggling to get to an hour of prayer. And now you can't live without an hour of prayer every day. See, everybody can't shout right here because we don't get this part. And we call that extreme. But let me tell you, if you don't like an hour of worship down here, baby, go to hell. Because heaven's going to be much worse than that. We're going to be singing forever after 10,000 years and we're not singing Jesus culture we're singing one song and it's the same verse verse number one holy 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 verse number two holy ho- I feel petty now the chorus holy 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 the bridge holy 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 we got to get to the place where we have discipline ourself in well I just don't understand the word you don't understand Spanish either and you took it for two years in high school Because the principle is that you lose what you don't use. I'm going to get in trouble. Okay. So today's message. (laughs) Yeah, we're down about half the crew now. All right, good. Um, Are y'all still all right? You hang with me, I promise. We're going to lay hands on everybody tonight. So I was seeking the Lord about this last message. And I said, Lord, what, what is it that you need me to share to the people? How do we close this thing out? I talk about fasting because I don't really like fasting. <clears throat> do I talk about the word of God? What do I talk about? And the Lord told me to preach on something I've never preached on a day in my life. <clears throat> and I'm a Pentecostal preacher. He said, I want you to talk about the anointing. So I said, okay, I like that. So I went over to Isaiah chapter 10 because <clears throat> I know that scripture we all know it it's the anointing that breaks the yoke and I thought I had it down until I called my Jewish friend who's a scholar um, because he knows a lot of Hebrew and so I told him to break this text down for me 
And um, he said, they actually got it wrong and translated. I said, what do you mean? He said, they translating a certain, go to that next word, that next slide. <coughs> they translated, the, here's the original word, shemen, shemen. And so that's the word they thought it was. And that word there means oil. And so they associated the oil with anointing because that's typically what we see in scripture. And so we stick with it. And so they thought it was anointing. The problem is that the word wasn't shaman. Go to the next slide. It was actually shaman. Your Greek, your Hebrew is better than mine. Go for it. Um, And it actually means fatness. I got happy right there. When I found out the word anointing really means fatness, all my plus size people. Come on, my Bible says the fat belongs to the Lord. I told a young person that. He said, but yeah, you got to lay it on the altar so he can burn the fat. (laughs) It's all right. And I looked at this, and I was trying to understand. And as I'm talking to my friend, he's talking to me about, is this all right if I teach for a moment? He talks to me about Isaiah chapter 10, and this is what he begins to tell me. He says to me, he says, the the oxen inside of the yoke is a representation of Israel in that moment. Now, a a yoke, for those of you who don't understand, a yoke was a heavy weight that was put around the neck of an oxen, and they would be paired up together, and they would work together, and they would farm until the field. They were doing work in the field. This is why over in the New Testament, he said, don't be unequally yoked. Uh, Some of us have taken that to mean that we're not allowed to date unbelievers. That's not what it means. It means not only not to date unbelievers, but not to date someone that's not of your same spiritual status. Okay, let me, I'm going to help you. Don't worry. <laughs> Some of y'all's theology been messed up your whole life. It's going to get fixed in one hour. Watch this. You say, you say, why can't we date somebody of the same spiritual status? Because what would happen is when the oxen would be hooked up together, the weaker oxen could not keep up. Watch this, because some of y'all are going to delete some friends on Facebook tonight. Uh, And the weaker oxen could not keep up. So what would begin to happen is not that the weaker oxen would suffer, but the stronger oxen would have to drag the weaker oxen, causing strain on the neck of the stronger oxen. So in fact, God says, I don't want you to date an unbeliever as fine as he is, six-pack and all, with her hips, dips, thighs, and eyes. I don't want you to date an unbeliever or somebody that you're not unequally yoked with, not because I don't believe in love, but because I believe in you. And God says, I know that you're the stronger vessel, and if you hook up with somebody that's not as strong as you, what's going to happen is, okay, watch. You said, I didn't die, but you got bitter. You got angry. Some of y'all started dating heathens. You were sitting on the front row. Now you show up 20 minutes late, sit in the back row, cross your arms, hope nobody talks to you during the meet and greet, leave 30 minutes early and act like Apostle Paul owes you a favor. And it's all because you're in an ungodly relationship. I've, I've been a pastor long enough to watch him date. You say, don't date him. I know he's fine, but there are other fine people who love the Lord, and he doesn't love the Lord. He loves the way your skin is stretched over your skeletal frame. He's a pervert. He's nasty. Well, how do you know he's a pervert? He's 16 years old. That's how I know he's a pervert. And I've watched them. They'll be on fire. Month later, you don't see him as much. Two months later, they stop serving. The Lord just has me in a different season. Because we put spiritual stuff. God is the most misquoted person in the universe. The Lord, stop saying the Lord said, just say you were emotional and this is what you felt. Stop blaming the Lord. Okay, let me not deal with that. 
And you watch them and they start following the Lord now from a distance. Why? Because the weaker vessel caused the stronger vessel to die. Okay, jump back to Isaiah chapter 10. And you talk about the yoke. And God is saying here that the yoke is able to be on your neck because you're so skinny and frail as a nation. You represent it in the ox. And so the, the yoke can be around your neck. But he said, I'm going to run out that door. He said, what's going to happen is that the fatness is going to come on you. And because you grow in fatness, you're going to break the yokes. Okay, okay, wait, wait, wait. Because all my pastors and leaders, you're going to love me tonight. Because you see that same demon come down to the altar every Sunday. You lay hands on it. You have the most anointed person lay hands on him. You put all kinds, you, olive oil, vegetable oil, Crisco. You prayed in tongues. You prayed in English. You prayed in Spanish and tried Hebrew. And they still didn't get delivered. Coming down to the altar two years later for the same demon. And you're wondering, I'm anointed. I'm appointed of God. How come I can lay hands on them and they not be set free? because they haven't grown fat okay let me tell this story we're going somewhere i'm about to shout it down this ain't gonna be a long message watch this i was watching something about uh the jews and the holocaust and 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 they had this uh documentary and they were talking about how there would be 50 to 100 jews to only one soldier and so my thought is and the soldier wouldn't even have a gun wouldn't have a weapon So I'm from the hood. I was in the hood, not of the hood. But I was in the hood. And I realized all I need, sometimes I don't even need more than one person. But give me 10 and you will not survive. So how is it that we've got five people or 50 people to one soldier and you guys still weren't able to defeat him? And they would begin to explain that they starved us and they showed pictures. And you would look at their bones and you would see their bones protruding through their skin. And they had been so starved that even if they wanted to fight, they didn't have the strength to fight. Watch this. God got so mad at the country Syria because Syria, they starved the children of Israel. And if there's one thing that God hates is that when I'm trying to progress my people from to freedom, that you starve them. This is why the devil will make sure that you don't have time to pray. This is why the devil will make sure that you get the job that you asked God for so now you don't have time to serve this is why you get the girlfriend and you don't have time to read your bible this is what's happening and you don't realize it but you're spiritually starving why is that a problem because as long as you're skinny you get to be under the yoke but to all my fat people out there if you walk with God a little bit if you talk with God a little bit if you learn how to read the bible not just read it but even study it all of a sudden you become mature and you start getting meat on your bones and here's what the scripture is really saying if you walk with God enough and you mature enough and you develop enough just by the very fact of your development your development and maturity will break the yoke y'all are making me work tonight he says the maturity will break the yoke So I can pray for you until my fingerprint gets on your forehead. And I can stump my foot until the stiletto becomes a sandal. But if you don't go back home and you don't walk with God in the private, don't expect to be anointed in the public. Y'all don't want good preaching tonight. You ever wonder how you could hear somebody get up and people get mad at me because I walk into a room and I know the anointing is on me. And somebody's saying, that's not humble. The Bible says in Numbers... That Moses was the most humble person who ever lived. And I shouted that down until I found out who wrote the book of Numbers. Moses wrote the book of Numbers. 
And he declared, some of you think humility is denying how great you are. Really, humility is living any other way besides your greatness. Okay, let me try it again because maybe that went too fast for you to say amen. Some of you think that humility is denying who you are. It's actually an insult to the Lord. Real humility is saying this is who God's made me and I'm not ashamed of it. So it's funny. I have people who travel with me. And they'll, they'll tell me, they'll say, man, that person's, I was at a conference in New York. I have so many opportunities to be petty right now, but I want you guys to know that God is really working on me, so what you're saying is real spiritual maturity. But I was in a conference in New York, and there was about 3,000 young people and a bunch of famous preachers. If I named them, pretty much everybody would know. And they're the coolest, hippest pastors around. And they each one got up, and I stayed for the whole conference, because if somebody else is paying for me to come, I'm staying for the whole thing. I know this is ministry, but... Two days of vacation. And so I'm in New York, and I'm going through the whole conference, and I'm just listening, and I'm one of the later preachers. And so I'm watching everybody get up, and they tell their stories. Nobody's laughing. Uh, they, they do altar calls. Five people come to the altar, and the ones who came only came because their mom pushed them to come up. And they get up to the altar, and there's no power. I get up, and within moments, the whole atmosphere changes. And the guy who was traveling with me said, how is that possible? I said, because what happens is, you develop a walk with God in the private of your life so that when you hit the stage, you don't have to do anything different. All it is is God exposing who you are in the private. That's why some of you look ridiculous and stupid grabbing a mic because you don't have any anointing in the private. So you grab the mic and yes, you can sing to the rafters, but heaven has never heard you. Yes, you can preach and make people cry, but nobody walks away changed. I don't want people to cry. I don't need altars packed. I just want when I lay hands on the sick, they will be recovered. I want to go to funerals and make people nervous when I show up because you never know if I'm going to raise them from the dead or not. I, I could care less if I get on your flyer. I could care less if you invite me to your church as long as I get what Jesus promised me. But don't think that it's going to come because of another impartation. You impartation junkies. Everywhere you go, getting people to lay hands on you. And you're still addicted to pornography. You're trying to get everybody to lay hands on you. And you still haven't picked up your Bible except for to preach. And you can't understand why you have not broken the yokes in your life. Because some things aren't broken because of spiritual osmosis. It's broken because of the development of your maturity. Can you just help me out because your neighbor don't like this message? Just point at him and just tell him, mature yourself. Okay, we're halfway through. That's right, Darius, mature yourself. So I asked the question, I said, Lord, okay, we dealt with that. We put context to that scripture. But my next question, I feel the glory so strong. So, oh, Jesus, okay. So my next question, Lord, is what is the anointing? And the Lord began to develop this definition for the anointing. And here's how I want to define the anointing. The anointing is the empowering presence of God that enables you to do what God has called you to do. Two people can do the same thing, but if one is anointed, one will be effective and one will not. Many of us think that what millennials want are skinny jeans and head beanies while we preach. That's not what millennials want because millennials will take an old church mother with a dress all the way down to her ankles and her hair tight, so her bun tight, so tight that even the Holy Ghost couldn't get into it as long as she's anointed. 
Some of y'all don't know about this because you were born after 2000, but I was raised in the old school church where you actually had to be anointed to be able to grab a mic. I grew up in the kind of church where one of the church mothers would see you sing and you had about 30 seconds to prove that you had a prayer life. If you didn't have a prayer life, old mother would come up, walk and grab the mic and tell you to sit your butt down. I didn't say anything else but butt. That's what she said. Sit your butt down because she knew and was able to recognize the anointing. But now leadership allows anybody to grab a mic because even our leadership don't have enough anointing to be able to recognize other anointing oh I'm gonna talk about it because I'm mad I'm tired of going don't invite me to no more of your services I'm tired of it because you let somebody up there who can sing but they have no power and I'm wondering how is it we we grew up in the old school church some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about you like what anointing what is this all about we grew up in the old school church where the church mother would be driving on on her way to to service that night and it was testimony service and she was making up a song because she was gonna give a testimony and it was gonna be the same testimony that she's been given for the last 30 years we could all say the testimony with her while she was giving the testimony. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about, but some of y'all do. Just nod your head so I know you're with me. And she'd tell the same testimony. And all of a sudden, you hear, ho, ho, ho. And that ho, it didn't mean what you thought it meant. <laughs> what it meant was that I just felt the Holy Ghost. And what you knew, whatever came after the, uh, uh, the quickening was about to be real good. All that other stuff was warm up so she could get right to that moment. And all of a sudden, what'd she start doing? She'd look at the musician as if they had practiced the song, get mad at him for not knowing the song that she made up on the way to the service. And he'd give it about a minute of her start singing and stumping her feet. And all of a sudden, after the confusion had left the room and we finally figured out what she was doing, all of a sudden, everybody else would start stumping their feet and they would start singing and the Holy Ghost would begin to fall. The preacher could not preach. Nobody, all of you, all, the only thing you would see is every now and then some missionaries and intercessors start laying hands. Now, we're in 2017. We have the best singers. You don't believe me? Go look at VHSs from the 90s. The singers and the sound people sucked. Everything had feedback. How did my pew get feedback? Everything had feedback. I mean, everything was horrible. But you look at those services that were five hours long. And we as young people had to sit in those services that were five hours long and had to get good grades. Some of y'all don't realize, and I'm going to just talk to the parents for a moment. Don't worry, I'm almost through, about three quarters of the way through this message. Watch this. Some of you don't realize that you're allowing school and academics to become the God of your children instead of the house of the Lord. And so you're going to have a real smart kid that's on his way to hell. There are a lot of PhDs in hell. We took the offering, right? Okay. Um, But what happened was that old church mother didn't just get up there and just sing whatever. She had developed something in the spirit. You know, you know, this new generation came about and they think they created prophetic songs and spontaneous. All my black people, we've been singing prophetic songs. We just didn't call it that. We just said she made up a song. And if you go to a black church, black churches are, you know, we have songs here and they're like a novel. Like, only my black people are laughing because they know what I'm talking about. <laughs> like, you go to a black church, you don't need a PowerPoint. You mean, we have one, but you don't need one. Because we sing songs like, this is the day. And then you know what your response is? This is the day that the Lord has made. Y'all sound too good. Wait, we're not going <laughs> to. I was going to keep doing it until I heard some. Y'all did some stuff I didn't even do. <laughs> well, 
And, and you have all of these church songs that we grew up with that were developed. out of, And you're going, why are they so simple? Because one church mother would just get up and just start saying, there's a leak in this whole building. And my soul has got to move. What's the next line? My soul has got to move. What am I going to sing next? My soul has got to move. Oh, there's a leak in this whole building. And she would, and all of a sudden, and look, see, look at this section right here. This is my black section. They all caught the Holy Ghost. They all caught the Holy Ghost. Why? It wasn't in the lyrics. It was in the lifestyle. I grew up in the area where you bought a CD and all of the songs were anointed. Some of you are like, all the songs? All the songs! You'll be lucky if you get the latest worship CD and get one anointed song. And that song is kind of anointed. You got to have your band work with it to make it more anointed. Okay, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. All right. And I found out that the anointing is the empowering presence of God to allow you to do it. That's why one person can get up and preach and you don't feel moved at all. Somebody else can come up and share a story and all of a sudden the anointing hits. And you feel, because it's the empowering presence. Watch this. Are you still with me? <clears throat> Where does the anointing come from? Real quick, the anointing comes from the Holy Spirit. I used to think it came from the Bible. The only problem with that is that the Pharisees were astute at reading the Bible and still didn't have the anointing. They knew it, had it memorized backwards and forwards and still didn't have the anointing. I used to think that it was by my own righteousness, but I found myself striving and striving and striving and still not able to walk in the anointing. So I've come to find out that the Holy Spirit, watch this, has two primary roles. A little bit of theology and then we'll hop out of this. Two primary roles. Number one, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And then you have the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. What's the difference? The indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit is that spirit that comes to convict. It's that Holy Spirit that says, don't cuss him out. I know you want to. Don't, don't cuss him out. It's that indwelling that says, no, 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 don't, don't text her. I know it's 11 o'clock and you could text her and she's easy enough to come over, but don't text her. Don't te- That's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The indwelling, and, 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 and for my conservative people, they think that's all the Holy Spirit does, that he comes to convict of sin. But when I read the scripture, I see that there's another part to the Holy Spirit. He's not just the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that comes to convict, but he's also the empowering presence of God. Let me tell you the difference. The indwelling presence comes to convict. The empowering comes to give you power. The indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit comes in you. The empowering presence comes on you. Love the way Bill Johnson says it. The Spirit of the Lord is in you for yourself, but the Spirit of the Lord is on you to reach the world. So it's not enough for the Spirit of God to reside in you without a prophet or a spiritual manifestation or an outdwelling of the Holy Spirit. Watch this. The anointing is found in the person of the Holy Spirit. The question I have, I got two questions and we're going to get out of here. How do I cut the anointing? Number one, by grieving the Holy Spirit. And number two, by quenching the Holy Spirit. Now those are two different things. I'm going to just teach... And then we're going to lay hands tonight. 
To grieve the Holy Spirit in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30, it says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along uh, with malice. Be kind to one. Let me read that one more time. Be kind. I'm going to read it one more time so you can have application. Um, on Facebook, be kind. On Instagram, some of y'all are so saved until you get online. You do realize that kindness is part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Some of y'all can't say amen because you're too convicted right now. But some of y'all, especially in the climate that we're living in, I, have, I watch people online and I go, who are you? Okay, don't believe me. Put something stigmatizing up on your Facebook tonight and watch how many friends you thought were the sweetest people just chew you out. Because we haven't realized that being kind is actually a fruit within the Holy Spirit. I knew that wasn't going to get too many amens. See, most of us think in this generation, how close can I get to sin and still be saved? But anointed people say, how far away can I get from sin? You see the difference? So I always know when somebody's not really walking all the way with the Lord. Watch this, because they ask me questions like this. Is it okay to? Dot, dot, dot. (laughs) Is it okay to get a tattoo? Is it okay to drink? How far can I go dating? Is it okay? And some of y'all are wondering, is it okay? But people who walk in the spirit and have developed a maturity in the Lord don't have to ask questions. It's kind of like, um, for those of you who are married, well, let me rephrase this. Those of you who are happily married uh, and you've been married for a while, um, there's questions that you don't have to ask your spouse when you're shopping. You don't have to ask them, do you want a fuchsia bandana? Baby, do you want a fuchsia-colored bandana? Because you know she's going to ask, who are you? That you would think I would want a fuchsia bandana. Why? You know your wife well enough to know what she likes and dislikes. Okay, let me give you some more because some of y'all are looking real stunned right now. Um, When you know God well enough, you'll know what he's saying when he's not even speaking. Give you an example. Again, I grew up in the black church. Uh, You guys had timeouts. We had timeouts in between beatings. And notice I said beatings, not spankings. There is a difference. One references slavery. The other one, you can still love your mother after. Uh, we, we had beatings. And anybody ever been in church and you were playing because you had to go through five services on Sunday and you were just a kid and you just wanted to be a kid. And so you're sitting on the back row and you can play. And I remember this. We were in second service and we were sick of being in service and there was no children's ministry for the second service. And so we're sitting in the back and we're playing. And all of a sudden, I literally looked at my brother and said, do you feel that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, "Uh, look. He said, no, no, you look. And I looked and in the choir stand, I saw my grandmother do this. Didn't say a word. Didn't text me. Didn't have the usher come and tell me what she was thinking. But I knew her well enough that I knew what she was saying when she wasn't saying anything. 
Some of you are so confused because you're trying to figure out how do I hear God? I'm in the middle of a storm and I can't seem to hear God. Do you know him well enough? Because the people who know him well enough, even when he's silent, they still hear him. Even when he's not saying a word, they still feel his direction. So you don't need to ask your pastor, is this okay? And is that okay? Because you hear the heart of God. You'll be sitting in a movie and all of a sudden realize, I got to get up and go. Don't know why. Okay, some of y'all don't know about this because you're not used to living holy, four-letter word. But if you walk holy and you walk right with the Lord, He'll give you discernment. You want prophetic? Stop reading books. Spend time with him. You want to hear God's voice? Spend time. These demons, you know, everybody's watching Game of Thrones. And so I thought, okay, let me check out Game of Thrones. They didn't tell me it was softcore porn. And so I turn it on and I'm just, because people I love and look up to were raving about it. Yo, I've lost all my black people. We're not into the Game of Thrones thing. That's, that's not us, dog. <laughs> Don't worry. I got an example for y'all in a minute. Um, and, and I'm watching this, and I'm, I tried to make it through a whole episode, and I'm looking at it going, nuh I don't need to go to a Bible. I don't need to call Pastor John. I don't need to call my accountability partner. I know the Lord well enough that he doesn't have to send a prophet five miles from my house to my house to tell me that what I'm watching is inappropriate because I know him well enough. Okay. Let let me help my black people. They tried to get me to watch this new show power. Yeah. Okay. Now my black people are gone here and my white people have left the building. I'm going to get everybody tonight, you know, power and I'm watching power. And the first episode, it's about sex, drugs, and the glorification of a sinful life. And I'm going, believers are watching this? No wonder you're not anointed. No wonder, no, no wonder there's no power. Because you have not walked in a level of holiness that develops the character in you that produces the fruit of the Spirit. So you ask, how do I grieve the Spirit? Sin grieves the Spirit. It's not about asking how close I can get to the line. It's saying, Lord, what can I refrain from so that I stick close to you? Somebody just give the Lord a clap by faith. Don't worry. We got two more points and we're out of here. I done lost half the congregation already. But then you have quenching the Holy Spirit. First Thessalonians chapter five, verses 19 and 20 says, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies and test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every evil form, every form of evil. Now, the difference between grieving the Holy Spirit, grieving the Holy Spirit is, is caused by sin. Quenching the Holy Spirit is caused by disbelief. So I grieve the Holy Spirit because of sin. I quench the Holy Spirit because of disbelief. And so we sit in services, and I watch it. It happened tonight. And you watch people in services like that. You have amazing worship like we had tonight. And you have those people who are just going for it, and they are losing it. They don't care if anybody takes a picture of them. They got snot down here. Their mascara is masked all their area. And they're just they're going for it. And then you have the spectators. I don't know. Do I like her voice? Uh, Is he playing the guitar right? Why is this song so long? And you have somebody who is encountering God dramatically, but then you have somebody who doesn't experience anything. And they walk away and go, collide is a mess. I mean, it's just crazy. They, They just, I mean, the songs are so long. Worship is so long. This is the complaints that I get. And I realize that it's because you don't realize, but you've quenched the spirit of God in your own life because of your disbelief. And so you have moments like this where God calls out, and this happens almost every month, where God calls out people like this, and you get prophecies that are right accurate, and then people start thinking, well, does he know them? Did he look them up on Facebook? 
I barely have any white friends. I'm trying to work on that. It's like, and you have these people, and all of a sudden, you have this atmosphere of disbelief, and you've quenched the move of God. I've been in atmospheres where, where I, I used to, t- when I was a youth pastor before the Lord delivered me, I would travel with my youth kids, and they would come with me, and they would say to me, Pastor Dale, that was nuts. The power of God moved like that. How come it doesn't move in, my, in our services like that? I said, because you guys have disbelief. Because we have gotten familiar with the presence of God. The most dangerous thing you can do with the presence of God is be familiar. That's what happened with Uzzah. Many people don't preach about this, but Uzzah touched the Ark of the Covenant and he died. And it's not just because Uzzah touched the Ark of the Covenant, but it's because he had gotten so familiar. See, Uzzah was the son of a priest. And the the Ark of the Covenant had lived in in Uzzah's house for over 20 years. He was raised with the Ark of the Covenant in his house. And he had gotten familiar with the holy thing. And so some of us come into an atmosphere where the presence of God is moving and we've got the nerve to be Instagramming. Hashtag the collide. We come into an atmosphere. I've watched it where the power of God is moving and you have somebody trying to fill up on their girlfriend. And you don't realize that you might not quench the Holy Spirit in the whole atmosphere, but you will quench the spirit in your atmosphere. And so you walk away and you go, God didn't move. And you go, yes, he did. He just jumped over you. Because God is not required to come on you because you want him to. Your, Your first two girlfriends didn't even come to you because you wanted them to. What makes you think that God is easy? This is the kind of reasons I haven't been preaching much. You know, people don't invite me because they tell me I don't know how to behave. I just, I just know, I know what quenches the Holy Spirit. And on top of that, we have leaders who quench the Holy Spirit because we're more concerned about the clock than we are about the person in the room who needs deliverance. Okay, let me go there. She said, go there. We, we, when I first started the services, every, we said we're going to go from 7 to 10 p.m. and we're going to try to behave. And the power of God, the first service we had, we, we didn't finish till 1130. My feet were hurting. I was sweating up and down. Everybody was laid out. We didn't have uh, any altar workers because they were all laid out on the floor. And, and it was the power of God was moving. And the only thing I walked away saying was, man, we got to get out at 10 o'clock. Next month, next two, three months, I said the same thing. We got to get out at 10 o'clock. Because my mind is, is, is framed for the regular church. Right? And then one of my people, one of our leaders came up to me and said, Dell. Stop caring about the clock. If the people care that much about the clock, then they do the move of God. Let them go. And I was really concerned because I'd be like, well, we got to get up early in the morning. And then I'd go back on Instagram, there's, and I'd find out that people were leaving this service at 930 so that they can get to the restaurant that they wanted to get to before they, and I realized <laughs> that, okay, let me, I really, This isn't even in my notes, but I'm going to give you this for free. John chapter 4, Jesus is coming to see the woman at the well. And and the woman is, there's kids in the room. I'll say, she's of ill repute. My grandmother used to call them uh, night walkers, you know. She she doesn't have a good reputation. She's in the wrong place at the wrong time because nobody likes her. Uh, But Jesus comes and says, this is going to set some people free because all you got is haters at your church. I'm going to help you out right here. Um, Jesus comes and sets her free. And and before he gets there, he tells the disciples, I must go through Samaria. The indication, the indictment on Christ is that he's the wrong color to be going through that there. He's not supposed to be going through it because that's the wrong type of people. We don't need Israel. Israel didn't even like the Samaritans. 
or uh, the whatever the woman was. Did I say the right one? Okay, sorry. Sometimes I get mixed up. They didn't even like Samaritans. And Jesus says, I must go. And the disciples had an opportunity to watch Jesus minister. And that woman, in just a couple of verses, went from being a whore to being an evangelist, seeing her whole city change. And the disciples come back with leftovers and donkey bags. Because... Because Jesus said, I must go through Samaria. And they said, it's cool. Do you want us to bring you back something to eat? Y'all think I'm joking. It's in John chapter 4. He said, do you want me to bring you something back? to?" The disciples said, we're going to peace out. This is Jesus. Three years of ministry. You're telling me that you gave up on an encounter to get a bag of food? And before you judge the disciples... Can I ask you what your bag of food looks like? Yeah, because everybody's not giving up on Jesus because of food. Do you know how many people want to be leaders in our ministry, but they tell me I cannot sacrifice a Saturday to come and get trained? People tell me they want to heal the sick. They want to raise the dead. You know how many people come in? I just want to travel with you, Pastor Dale. I just want a double portion of your anointing. Don't ever come and tell me that. I will knock you into tomorrow. I just want a double portion of your anointing. I prayed that over one guy. One guy said, I just want to just pray for me. I just want a double impartation of your anointing. I said, okay, Lord, I pray instead of one year, he'll be homeless for two years. I pray instead of two years that his family will reject him for four years. I pray instead of 10 years that his church would call him crazy for 20 years. God, I pray that he would struggle with his identity twice the amount of time that I struggled with my identity. Because we want the fruits of revival without going what it takes to get revival. And we give up. We give up on spiritual encounters because we allow our carnal nature to take over. I feel the glory right here because some of us are missing on opportunities because we want to go hang out. We, we are missing opportunities to be anointed because we want to play video games. Somebody came to me and said, can you pray for me? I'm addicted to video games. No, you're stupid. You're telling me the only reason you're addicted to video games is because you refuse to live real adventure. Had the nerve to come to me and say, well, I would read the Bible, but the Bible is boring. No, friend, the Bible is boring. You're boring. You sit up, masturbate every day. You got a computer in your room. You've been watching pornography for the last 12 years, and you think the Bible is boring? You're boring. Some of y'all don't like this kind of preaching. It's all right. You can go back to your church on Sunday. And I am watching a generation that does not want the move of God. They don't want the spirit of God because they keep giving it up, not even for sin. Get that out of your mind. Because some of you say, well, I don't, I don't sleep around, I don't smoke, I don't chew, and I don't hang out with those who do. But you've got some areas of compromise in your life where you have walked in carnality and you have missed opportunities for spiritual development. I know this is hard preaching. But we have these weak, apathetic, anemic people that we call believers. And everybody's walking around here with cancer. Nobody's getting healed. Everybody's walking around here horny. And nobody's getting set free. Everybody's walking around here. You, nope. I go to churches where people come to me and say, nobody likes this church. The worship sucks. The preaching sucks. And everybody's going there. And nobody's changing. And I'm going, I wonder if it's because there are areas in your life where you've given up encounters with the Lord because you wanted to go get something to eat. 
you know how many people left tonight because the service was going too long? And y'all got the nerve sometimes because y'all little devils. You, you'll zip up your little Bible, zip up your purse, put it around your shoulder as if I'm supposed to care. I, I dare you. I dare you. Put it around your purse. I already got your money. I dare you. I, I, I love it. Sometimes I go to churches and, and you know, my Collide family, y'all are with me. But I go to these churches and, and they start zipping up their Bible because, you know, we got to get out by 12. Why? You own the building. Some of y'all just had a deep revelation right now. Like, what, 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 it, and, and here's the part I don't get. You spent 30 minutes worshiping and asking for the presence of God. Now you're trying to figure out how quick you can leave it. And they tell me, Dale, your sermons are too long for young people. <laughs> you paid $20 to watch a three and a half hour movie that you walked out and didn't even like. There ain't nobody coming next month. We're going to have a small crowd next month. Because y'all are for the first time identifying the fact that the reason, and here's what we do in the church. We say, I'll pay the pastor so that he has power. So maybe it'll hide the fact that I don't have power. So I'll brag about my pastor, but I won't ever be able to tell you a testimony about what God's done in my life. Some of y'all are hanging on to 20-year-old testimony. Your testimony is stale. I'm sick of hearing missionaries and evangelists tell the testimony that you've been telling for the last 20 years. You mean to tell me the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus up from the dead now quickens your mortal body and you don't have any testimonies from the last three months? You are surrounded by heathens. You go to high school. You're in a public high school at that. And you are surrounded by demons. And you're telling me nobody's getting set free? Maybe if somebody came to me and said to me, Dale, um, I've been at this school for four years and nobody knows I'm a Christian. I said, maybe because you're not. You mean to tell me that in a room full of darkness, I would turn on a small light and nobody would be able to see it? And the only way that we can, the, the only way that we can tell that you're, you're a Christian is because you've got a t-shirt on? I had one high school, tell, high school student tell me, came up to me, 17 years old, had gotten set on fire, came to one of my conferences and said to me, Pastor Dell, I figured out how to win homosexuals. Um, I'm doing good. How are you doing? <laughs> I, I go, okay, what are you talking about? Go, well, Pastor Dell, my teacher is a lesbian or was a lesbian. I said, keyword was. Uh, was a lesbian and had uh, STD. And so I found out because the kids were making fun. And while all the other kids were making fun, I waited till everybody left. And I walked up to my teacher and she was fighting back tears. And I looked at her and I said, um, I know you're an atheist and you don't believe in God. Um, but this his words, not mine. This is, I'm 31. This is when I was about 20 years old, so 11 years ago. Um, he says, he looks at her in her eyes. He says, um, I know you don't believe in God, but God believes in you. And is it okay if I pray for you that even though they're making fun of you, not that God will heal your heart because we like emotional testimonies. God healed my heart. He said, no, so that God will heal you of your STD. I said, so what did you do? She said, yes. So I started praying for her. And she looked at him and said, oh, you meant now. <laughs> he said, absolutely. Starts praying for him. She comes back to me 
asked me to stay after, ser- after service, after school, because we're so used to miracles happening in church. Um, but asked me to stay after school, comes and sees me, and tells me the testimony and says, can you tell me more about your God? Because after you prayed for me, I went to the doctor to get my checkup and my pills, and I was completely made whole. No seminary degree. No Bible education. Theology was more off than some of your color patterns tonight. I mean, just was nuts. Don't have anything. But it had power. Because that young, that same young person, they were that annoying young person in the youth group that puts their earphones on while you're preaching and pretends like they don't care about what's happening. They got touched by the power of God, came down in one of the services, got anointed, got touched by the God, and then went back and took their whole high school for the Lord because of an encounter with God. Let me finish with this. And worship team, join me on stage so that it feels like I'm finishing. You can put the first slide up because I'm going to just talk my way through this. I said, Lord, if, it, it, if quenching the Holy Spirit comes from disbelief, how do I get more of the Holy Spirit? Number one, through prayer and intimacy. I encourage you to get the message from uh, last month because I go deeply into prayer. But number one, prayer and intimacy. God, Jesus comes up to a, a, a young boy whose parent, whose father is frustrated because he has epilepsy and he won't stop having seizures. The disciples have prayed for him and he still won't get healed. So Jesus prays for him and he gets healed in a moment. The disciples look at Jesus and say, Jesus, how was it that you were able to cast out this devil? Jesus looks at him and says, only by praying and fasting. The only problem I have with that is that between the first verse and the last verse, Jesus didn't have enough time to fast and pray. So what do you mean that you fast in prayer? Because we're looking for Jesus to fast and pray when it's time. But Jesus has been fasting and praying in Luke chapter 6 where he wakes up early in the morning and steals away and spends time with the Father. Jesus is praying over in Luke chapter 11 when he goes out away from the boat and he's found praying. Jesus is praying to the Father when nobody else is around because he was developing a prayer lifestyle instead of eventful prayer moments. You don't know when you're going to need to be anointed. That's why you got to be prayed up. How else do I get more of the anointing? Be yourself. Some of you can't be anointed because God's not going to anoint the imitation. He's going to anoint the authentic. And I never understood how each and every one of us, in the billions of people who have ever been born, we've all had a fingerprint that's completely different, but so many of us die the same. How is it that we're born originals and die copies? God wants to anoint you, not who you pretend to be. Not your favorite preacher. Never forget, I was going somewhere to preach, and um, I know that they wanted me to, you know, be the kind of preacher that they wanted me to preach. And so I got up there, and I just, I, I looked like an idiot. I tried to do everything that I knew they wanted me to do. And afterwards, the pastor pulled me to the side and said, Dell, I didn't invite um, this preacher and that preacher. I invited Dell." I said, what do you mean? When I invite you, I want you. And I heard the Lord speak that to me. The Lord wants to anoint you, your awkward self, your weird self, your quirky self, your nappy-headed self, your, your insecure. He wants to anoint you. Until you get comfortable with who God's made you, you'll never be able to receive your full anointing. Until you can look in the mirror and say, I am who God says I am. 
I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm a lender to nations and I'm not above. I'm a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. I am who God says I am. God wants to anoint you to be you. Go ahead and play. Number three, how else do I increase the anointing? I got to do something that necessitates the anointing. Some of us want to be anointed, and, and we don't really want to be anointed. We want to be famous. We want to be well-known. And God's not anointing people so that they can become famous or the next Reinhard Bonnke, the next T.D. Jakes, the next Jesus culture. He's anointing people so that his kingdom can be established. And so God says, if you want to be anointed, step out in faith and do something that will take the anointing. Next time you're in the grocery store, some of you are waiting for God to speak to you. You don't need him to speak to you and tap you on your shoulder. You see somebody in a wheelchair, I don't care how crazy it looks. This might be the time it works. Look at Listen, listen, listen. God is only going to anoint you to do things that you can't do without the anointing. Step out in faith. And lastly, in order to get more of the anointing, all you got to do is ask. All you got to do is ask. God actually desires, and we're going to anoint people tonight. So uh, leadership team, I don't know where I put my oil. We might have to find new oil. It might be under that seat. But we're going to anoint everybody that survived this sermon. But some of us think that, that we have to beg God to anoint us. We think that we have to plead with God. God actually desires you to be anointed. He desires you to walk in anointing. All you got to do is ask. So number one develop a prayer life. Number two, be yourself. Number three, <clears throat> do something that requires faith. And number four, simply ask. The anointing empowers you to do what God has called you to do. The anointing was on Samson with power. It was on Saul to prophesy. It was on David to heal Saul. It was on Jesus to heal the sick, cast out demons and save. It was on a uh, uh, Obadiah to build the temple. It was on Solomon with great wisdom and it was on Moses with miracle signs and wonders but also to be a good leader. And I want to end, I want to end right here. For all my pastors and leaders in here, ministry leaders, worship leaders, one of the greatest anointings that you can ever have is an anointing for leadership. For those of you who know me well, my personality is not the best. I am cantankerous by nature. I am, I lack patience. But the Lord did this thing where he anointed me to be a leader. And it's amazing, Pastor John. I'm a germaphobe. That's why we, we have, you can't see it, but we have two bottles of Purell under the table. I mean, after I pray for you, I'm going to wash my hands, right? But if you see me over in the mission field, I have spent weeks in the mud huts of the Philippines. And people go, how are you able to do it? And I have to tell them, you know what it is? I boiled it down to the anointing. That the anointing allows me to put up with stuff that I normally wouldn't be. You know how many folks, how many pastors I want to cuss out? Some of y'all are going to come back to Collide next month because you just like me telling all of my faults and flaws. It's okay. I'll have more by next month. One of the greatest anointings you could ever have is to be a leader. Whether you're a high school student or a pastor, to lead your generation. You 
you've got to be anointed for leadership because the anointing will come on you and it will teach you what to do when you don't know what to do. For those of you over at, at Fremont at Harbor Light, when you're on staff, there are moments that are going to come where you have no idea what to do, but the anointing will teach you what to do. But don't be fooled. The anointing is not all fun and games. The anointing will cause you pain. The anointing will cause you to be rejected. Jesus got up in the temple and began to read from Isaiah. And he said, I am anointed to preach the gospel, to preach the good news. And he starts rambling on about what he's anointed to do. And nobody ever seems to finish that portion of scripture. But after that reading was over and Jesus proclaims his anointing, they pick him up and kick him out of the temple and reject Jesus. So don't be ashamed if you get rejected for being anointed. Some of you might have to leave churches when you're anointed. That's okay. That's okay. But you got to embrace your anointing. How many of you say, Pastor Dell, I want the anointing. I want the empowering presence of God. I want to be able to do what I can't do normally. Not, not just to lay hands and see the sick recover, but uh, where's Venetia? She was telling me a testimony of how the anointing was just honored as she works for FedEx and she's just d- delivering boxes and stuff and her co-worker comes up and she just leads her co-worker to the Lord. Why was it that easy? Because of the anointing. The anointing makes it easier. I was in Israel a couple of years ago and I went to where they pressed the olives and I looked at it and I thought I, I would not want to be an olive until I tasted the oil. It was the richest, most flavorful oil that I've ever tasted. That stuff we get in the grocery store is not the real deal. You go to Israel and get fresh oil from the olives, you can actually taste the fruit of it. It's strong. But it only happens because of the crushing. Stand with me. Ministry team, get in formation. going to happen is this is just the easiest way to facilitate this as I close this portion in prayer just know that we're going to formally dismiss with this so after this moment with the altar that's going to happen you can feel free after you're prayed for you can leave but I encourage some of you to stay we've had people stay and their their lives are marked Nick and and Shuri what are you guys doing over there come on come on hustle hustle We've had people who have come from this prayer tunnel. Some of them fall out in the prayer tunnel. We just pick them up and scoot over, and their lives have been marked. I have people all over the uh, California who walk up to me and tell me about the fire tunnels that we've done and how the Spirit of God has marked them, healed them in the midst of going through the tunnel. All this is, I know it looks kind of strange, but it's just the easiest way for us to be able to lay hands on everybody. We call it a fire tunnel because as you come through, we're going to pray the fire and the anointing of God on you, and we're going to lay hands on you. As we do that, you're going to keep walking. And you're just going to receive. Some of you are going to feel the overwhelming presence of God. You're going to weep. You're going to cry. Some, we've had people come and they start shaking. However the Lord comes on you, it's totally fine. It's okay. Nobody's video recording or anything like that. You just let the Lord have his way. What I want you to do is open up your heart and just receive the anointing. So as you go through the line, all you're doing is saying, Lord, I just received. 
I open my heart and I receive. And I encourage you, I'm going to be the last person to lay hands on me here. I encourage you. As you finish the line, if you're able to, if you have the time to, just to go back to your seat and worship. You might want to find a, a corner and just sit with the Lord and let him speak to you. I really sense in my heart, destinies are changing tonight. We're done with this series for the summer, and we'll start something up in September. But I feel like this was called to mark some people, to get you out of a lukewarm lifestyle, to shake you up. And as you come through here, there's going to be an impartation because these people are anointed. These are people that I've trained and raised up. We have prayed. We fast every Thursday before we have collide. We believe God for breakthrough and revival. And so these are just not average, normal people. These are ministry leaders. And we're going to lay hands and, and believe God for more than just somebody to get you oily. I want to get you anointed. Many of you, your life will never be the same. How many of you say, I want that? I want that. I know it's a little different, but in just a moment, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to encourage us to form a line right over here. Don't do it yet. And after Melody and the team are going to lead us in worship in Allen, and we're just going to worship the Lord. And as long as you feel led to stay, you go ahead and stay. There's no pressure to leave. I'll be the last one out to lock the door. You're totally fine. But I want you to go somewhere and spend time with God after you get out of the line and let the Lord work on your heart. If you need to go, you're allowed to go. Don't feel guilty or like you, you're missing out. The Lord can work on you at home. But if you, you just feel like I need to stay. God is marking hearts. I want you to put your hand over your heart right now. And would you do me a favor before I pray for you? Would you take a moment out loud? It can just be a whisper, but I want you to do it out loud. Can you pray and ask God for what you want? through this altar moment right now. Go ahead. Go ahead, just take a moment. What is it that you want the Lord to anoint you for? What transformation do you need?